0: hi everyone welcome welcome back to um, a new episode from the series the reason I jump in this live we will talk about how autistic people experience um, um, the world through their senses Uh, what is different um, in their senses what is different the way how they experience the world how they sense the world around them and um, I couldn't do this by myself so uh, luckily I've got Jen here from um... autism 360 Um, and of course we're going to have our wonderful guests I can see already lots of people coming on hello hello whoa hi Hi. look at me look at all different <laughs> Yay! hi jen how are you good how are you oh busy 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 but excited about uh, today's live and um, live even <laughs> let's see hi vidya oh there's so many people that are already joining hi oh, sarah
1: nice
0: Whoa, see let's see oh. I'm waiting to see if our guests are in here, because we couldn't do that without them and without you. Hi, the autistic phoenix. Who else is in their way? Hi, Mandy. i just seeing you now. <laughs> Hi, Lynn. From
1: emotions learning content. Well, uh, okay. everybody autism family story hi
0: (laughs) yes we're waiting for you to come live with us thank you for coming (laughs) to watch (laughs) us today oh dr robinson it was was you Uh uh-huh you were tricking us with your new username okay right so let's see if our guests are here Ooh. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the chapter we're going to read, Jen, until I'm going to check what's going on with our guests.
1: Well, we're going to be reading a chapter from the book, The Reason I Jump, that I think most of you are familiar with, but it's written by a 13-year-old. He was 13 at the time, Naoki Higashida and he wrote this book he is nonverbal autistic boy and um i see a hand wave (laughs) i don't see a face (laughs) um and he wrote this book with full of different chapters hi chad
2: hi everyone
1: hi nice to see you
2: (laughs) nice to finally meet everybody
1: Oh, no. ah. me too. Right, we're just doing a little introduction, and then um, we're waiting on Palashide, I guess, and we will get started with reading this chapter. Um, I was just saying that um, the author wrote this book through typing, and it's been so insightful to hear his perspective and how he experiences his autism. And also, then to share with our guests, you know, their experiences, and it's just been fantastic. And our our wonderful audience also um, chimes in a lot. There's today. Hi. 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 All right. So I just um, spoke about the chapter, the book, and. I'll just tell you real quickly who I am and then if everybody can introduce themselves and then we will read the chapter. So I'm uh, Jen Slayton, I'm a psychotherapist and an autism coach and I worked with hundreds of different people on the autism spectrum and um, I just, I have this insatiable desire to learn more and more and more. Um, that's who I am. And Falasha Day, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Okay. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Thanks. So I am Falasha Day and I am, okay, well, relating to why I am on this live, I am mom to two beautiful girls and one of them is autistic. And um, so one of the things I have done um, you know, in addition to the so many things I do in my life is to lend my voice to, you know, create an awareness and acceptance within the African community, because it is much needed. And so that's one of the things that I have been doing a lot ever since we got my daughter's diagnosis.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Chad, how about you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, everybody.
2: Um of course, my name is Chad. I go by the name of King Jamma representing Four Roads Crew, Mastermind Rockers. People also know me as Dr. Weisman. I host a show called QSTV, and um, yes, I'm on the spectrum. I dance. I, I'm a host. I, I've been. I this dance pretty much. It's helped me express myself in ways that words cannot really, cannot really fully encapsulate. You know. Um, I'm a little nervous here, cause it's cause it's my first time really talking about autism on Instagram Live. So, yeah, it, it's kind of like <laughs> it's it, it's a bit it's a bit of um I'm, I'm extremely nervous. Don't mind me, okay? I'm it's extremely okay. nervous, but um but yeah, I'm definitely on the spectrum. I I found the support group on Clubhouse and um. And, you know, it's been helping me to express a lot of things that I never thought I'd be able to express and people would be able to understand it, you know? So yeah, that's so yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, my condolences to um Helen. Um, you know, it's a very it's a very tough pain to endure when you lose a when you lose a parent, especially a father.
1: Mm-hmm. Father
2: or mother, you know, that's it's really a tough thing. So, you know, sending love, condolences. Some healing vibes to her, you know what i mean much love
1: oh thank you so much chad and thank you for your courage to be here and i um you know we met on clubhouse and you just have had an amazing impact on people by sharing so honestly and vulnerably and to take this risk to do on Instagram. I just, I'm really, I feel proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. And you guys have to check out his Instagram page because he's got amazing dances and it's really, it's really fun to see you.
2: 25 days left. (laughs) Pardon? 25 days. There's going to be 25 days left and after today, I'll be 24. (laughs)
1: Because you're doing yes. a how-many-day challenge, was it?
2: 365 days.
1: <laughs> and you do um, a dance every day? Different dance, as yeah. As
2: yeah. As yeah. Well, mainly breaking.
1: Amazing. That's what I do. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Thank you. All right. Yes, honey, I
3: think it is good to meet, you know, to get to
1: see Chad
3: because, you know, he's been in our rooms. <laughs> on Clubhouse. So, hi, Chad, it's really good to get to meet you, yeah. or to get to see you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you as well, and to see you, and to see you all, and to see you as well. It's, 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 a, it's a pleasure, it's an honor.
1: <laughs> Same to you, Felicia Day, we've known each other now, I guess, going on a year, and we haven't had a face-to-face conversation. So. No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, we haven't.
1: <laughs> uh. Hi, Bella. Tell us a little
0: bit about yourself. Hi. Um, I also want to to, um, send Helen my deepest condolences for losing her dad uh, tonight. Um, She's one of my friends, and uh, she's coming here to support us every Wednesday, and I think she's a bit heartbroken now. Um, yeah, I'm Bella, I work with um, autistic children, I um, help them um, express themselves through music, I help them learn different social skills, practice them, mostly in a safe space, in uh, during my sessions, in my studio, or online, and um, overall, I just um, help with the their well-being the quality of um, their well-being um through music through expressing themselves playing different musical instruments that's me
1: thank you um and helen too i'm sorry i didn't see the message so i send my condolences as well
3: yeah
1: just it's really hard
3: me too it must be Mm.
1: yes all right but well, what I'd like to do now is read this chapter, and then we'll kind of discuss it from your experiences. And you know, Flushey, I know you'll share about your daughter. So um, this chapter says, "Why do you do things the rest of us don't? Do your senses work differently in some way?" And that's a question he poses for um, for the autistic person. So why don't you wear shoes? Why will you only wear half length sleeves? Why do you always shave off or pluck out your body hair? Doesn't it hurt? Every time us people with autism do something that other people wouldn't, it must make you wonder why. Do people with autism process different senses or are those actions just give us some sort of kick? To my mind, Both answers are barking up the wrong tree. The reason could be that we've gotten into such a state that if we don't do these actions, we'll go to pieces completely. If you talk about someone's senses working differently, it means that the person's nervous system is somehow malfunctioning. But I believe that in our case, there's nothing wrong with us at a nerve level. Instead, it's actually our emotions that trigger abnormal reactions. It's only natural for anyone stuck in a bad place to try to get out of it. And it's my own despair that causes me to risk misread the messages my senses are sending me. If all my attention gets focused on one area of my body, it's as if all of my body's energy is concentrated there too which is when my senses all report that something in that area is going badly wrong. If a person without autism is going through a hard time, he or she can talk it over with someone or make a ruckus about it. But in our case, that's not an option. We can never make ourselves understood. Even when we're in the middle of a panic attack, people either don't get what's happening to us or else they just tell us to stop crying. My guess is that the despair we're feeling has nowhere to go and fills up our entire bodies, making our senses more and more confused. So that's a lot. So again, this is his perspective as a 13 year old. So it doesn't mean that this is true for everybody, but it's, to me really interesting how he talks about trying to deal with emotion and how it's something that he's not been able to communicate and I'm wondering if we could maybe go to Chad first. Do you resonate with any of that or do you have experiences of your senses that has been hard for you to sort out? Mm.
2: So for me, whenever I'm going through a hard time, most of the time it's usually in work it's usually in words said. So the words usually hit me first. And then most of the time I find myself going to Google to find out what does, hey, what exactly does this mean? And then it's when I find out the meaning, that's when it, that's when it actually sinks in. Because most of the time, sometimes I don't really, it doesn't really hit me right away. And then like after that, when, after it does hit and I actually understand what's been done or what's been said, That's when I, that's when the initial reactions hits. Um, Mm. When I was 13, I, I wouldn't say that I didn't have control of my emotions. I was raised like with a whole bunch of, with a whole bunch of disciplinary actions taken against me and all that. But, um, um, what I, if if anything, the one thing I couldn't control was my anger. There was a lot of lashing out that I did over the years because of, uh, because of like, how i was how i was operating in the real world and then how i was operating at home and it was it, it, it was a lot it's a lot that i don't want to get into full details of but what i could say was um what i could say was the way in which i the ways in which i reacted i don't really think anybody really understood i don't think maybe i didn't even understand but but I didn't understand how to articulate it. I think that's the I think that's the piece that I'm trying to put, put mm-hmm. to the puzzle.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was so that's one thing. So I can definitely understand, like as a thirteen, well, as somebody who was once who was thirteen once, I can definitely understand how how difficult that might have been for the main character or the person in the, in the chapter, main character of the book.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Chad. I'm sorry to hear about your. Sounds like you were overly disciplined. Like I mean, it was it,
2: there was a lot of things that I even was. I even had a reminder last night. Right now, I'm over here spinning around the spinning around this um AirPod case because I can't find my fidget spinner for whatever reason. But um. But like there were a couple of stimming actions that I did when I was younger that my mother kind of disciplined me against doing. So that was, Mm -hmm. so I kind of got a reminder of that last night. That was not nice. (laughs) It wasn't nice, but you know, I, I, but you know, I kind of stopped it. So it it is what it is.
1: Okay. Thank you for, for sharing that, Chad. How about you, day? Do you resonate with some of this um, that Naoki was talking about or other kind of sensory issues that your daughter has?
3: Yes, I do. And um, for instance, one of the things that she's always done is working on her toes. And, you know, it took a while to, at first, what happened was um, it was First of all, more of a worry, like, okay, what can we do to help her to stop working on her toes, rather than reprimanding her for walking on her toes. So it was from that angle of, okay, what can we do to correct this? But you know, with knowledge then comes a bit, I mean better understanding of why she works on her toes. So um then understanding that it is a sensory thing for her and What we've then done is that um, now that she's older, it's easier because sometimes when she gets carried away and she's walking, sometimes she even runs on her toes. So we then try to tell her that, okay, it's, I mean, you can put your feet flat on the floor when you walk or run, so you don't trip or something. And it really helps now that she's older, it's easy to just remind her to walk, you know, with her feet flat on the floor. And of course she would correct it. And then after a few minutes, she's back on her toes. But I think that um, for now, it isn't so much of an issue because I, because as she grows older, it's, it adjusts really naturally. So we aren't doing anything to try to stop her from doing that, except to remind her that it's okay to walk on her toes, you know, then there's so many other things. And I think for someone, for a child that doesn't have so many, well, she has many words now, but when she was younger and she didn't have so many words, it was harder because at that time, um, also having to do with um, what's it called now, processing information was harder. So there was that gap where she didn't understand a lot of things that we were trying to tell her. And then she also had the difficulty of trying to get us to understand her needs. So I think those were the most difficult times that we had because it was, you know, there was that huge gap of us trying to communicate and then she also trying to communicate. So then she would express a lot of meltdown because she was having a really difficult time to tell us what her needs were. And um, what we've just learned to do is validate her feelings. So when she's having the meltdown, rather than tell her, stop crying, we try to understand, okay, why is she crying? you understand? So it's two things. The situation, is it it to tell why she is crying in that circumstance? If the answer is yes, then we address the situation. But if it is that, we can't tell why she's crying because I've learned that sometimes if she's crying this evening now, it might be because of something that happened in the morning that she didn't express her emotions about or even something that happened yesterday or even last week. So because we, I mean, I now understand that, and if it is in a circumstance where she's expressing an emotion that doesn't readily fit into the circumstance at that time, I then try to tell her, to get her to tell me, okay, why are you crying? Is this something you can talk about? Because now she's able to express herself with faces. So it helps. And um, of course she also has a communication, uh, what's it called now? Folder that she hardly uses now, do. But, you know, so with all the communication tools that we have, somehow we are able to get her to express her feelings to us. Well, I mean, it isn't 100% yet because she's still young, but at least we are, it's a lot better than it used to be.
1: How, how old is your daughter again, Fleshy?
3: She's seven years old.
1: She's seven. Okay, great. Mm. So have you guys... Um... Like, Chad, have you experienced, or flash a day um, with your daughter, like a sensory experience that seems, you know, like it could be over the top or overreacting or something that's upsetting, like a sound or, um, you know, food, something with food or any kind of sensory overreaction? Have either of you Um, had that? Well... Yeah. Most of the
2: um lately for me, what I've been experiencing is what looking being inside of a place where there's a lot of people and seeing them move too much, seeing them seeing a lot of movement happening is like it, it's kind it's it, it's kind of like um it is it is kind of upsetting. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not even that. Like, it's not that I don't want them to stop. It's not that I don't want them to move. It's that it's just that. I don't think I want to be in a place where there's so much people, where there's constant movement to the point where I can't really concentrate. Um, the only sensory experiences that I've had were pretty much like the, the, the scratching of chalk on a keyboard, on a, on a, um, on a board. Yeah. And um, um, trying to eat fish, but the bones would pick up my, but the bones would be pricking me. That, that's another thing. Um, I'm sorry.
1: What would what, what would be pricking you?
2: The bones of the fish would prick me whenever I would eat. Oh, oh, right. So that's an that's another thing. Um, but but sounds um sounds. I don't really. I don't think the sounds really affect me as much. Kind of my line of work requires me to really to listen to sounds, listen to music. So I don't really. So I don't think the sensory thing hits as much. But those. Are, but but yeah, when it comes to oh wait, I forgot. How could I forget the um, the balloons, the sounds that balloons make when you when you rub them against one another. That oh. sound makes me think my neck is my the inside of my neck is itching. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I don't know how to explain it, but it just ah, I I don't thinking about it is making me is it, making me feel weird now. <laughs>
1: don't think about it yeah (laughs) well thank you for saying that yeah i think that's um because as the the author was saying too it's hard to explain some of this stuff but it pulls so much of his emotion to focus on that sensory issue and there's this overload and so you explained um you know with the sound of the balloon or crowds that you get kind of this sensory overload where you might get a weird feeling in your body or you might get irritated and um it sounds like there's this need to kind of escape to get away from it to make it stop is that is it it um go ahead it feels
2: like that i remember i was in a i remember i was in a battle like a couple like three years ago i was in a battle yeah, it was three years ago. I was in a battle. Um the footwork it was a footwork battle. It was the one that I won for it was one that was thrown in honor of my friend, rest in peace to Slex, first of all. Um I won I remember that entire night, like I didn't after I after I went in for the rounds, I kinda went to the back of the of the venue and I because I just wanted to stay away from the crowd for a bit. Just to get my thoughts together, just to concentrate. I th- mm-hmm. So I I, th- I think that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense, yeah. Absolutely. And that you found a way to cope was to step out of that overstimulation. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Day, Did your daughter have um, sensory sensitivities to anything? Yes. Well, she
3: still does for some. Well, I think the one that was the most difficult that would really like get her going wow was um when she used to have this very strong sensitivity to i wouldn't say touch but she didn't like to make mistakes or like if she's she likes to draw she likes to paint so if while she's at it for instance if she's painting and then some of the paints the, the colors she's using like she's the one who's using the color and if any of you should touch her fingers or any part of her skin, then she would like really explode. Mm. Or while she's, while she's drawing or painting, if she makes a mistake, like she already knows what she's trying to draw in her head. And if the picture doesn't come out quite like what she's expecting, that also like really gets her to go off. You understand, because she's mm-hmm. not getting the results you know on paper as it is in her head so i think that was one that was really very difficult to to support her with because i mean we don't know what's in her head that she's trying to draw even though okay when you see her drawing you have an idea of what she's trying to draw but you really, i mean if there's a mistake then she goes all oh. right. and then i think then also was that when she makes those mistakes like she doesn't want to continue drawing on that paper anymore she wants another sheet. So sometimes because she wants to get that perfect picture she can go through like five to ten sheets to get the result that she's trying to get the picture in that she's trying to get um to paint out or draw so that was a really difficult one at the time so but over time we've just learned to let her see that it's okay to make mistakes like mistakes are normal you i mean you will always make mistakes. Nothing is perfect. It took a while for her to understand that, like I explained earlier where we had that you know communication um, issue, so it took a while to be able to get her to understand that mistakes happen, and now, when it happens, yes, sometimes she'll still scream, but she might continue to paint on the same paper. you understand, or she may just leave it, walk away, and then come back to it again and continue. Then when it comes to sound, I think that with sound, she, I'll describe her as um, sensory seeking when it comes to sound because she always likes to hear sound. She always wants to hear something, music, noise, rhymes, whatever, but she always likes to hear sound. So if it's completely quiet, then she doesn't like it. So she's telling you to play something. And this, also helps in a lot of ways, for instance, because when she's eating, for instance, and she wants to be hearing certain sounds in the background, I've realized that what it does is before we used to be like, okay, maybe no tablets when you're eating so that you can just you know, finish the food. I found out that um, what happens is that she wants that distraction. And I realized that when there's that distraction, she actually eats more because the focus is not on the food. But on the music or whatever else is able to distract her. So she's not completely looking at the food to eat the food. And really, if it's helping her to eat, because I mean, if I've come from worrying for a really long time that she doesn't eat and now she's eating only that she wants to be distracted. I mean, it's okay for her to be (laughs) distracted and to be able to eat. So for sound, I think that is it. But that also then is a difficult one because when it comes to sound, I have high sensitivity to sound, myself. Oh. So that's where there's a problem because she really wants the sound like she's the volume high. I don't like it because it affects me. So I always try to find a way to balance. We, I mean, we don't have a balance yet with that one. So I always have to just tell her to please reduce the volume of whatever she's watching, if she has to be very close to me or if we have to be within the same space. I mean, that's the only way, or I get her to use headphones or I have Mm the headphones myself. So that way, nobody's noise is disturbing. I don't, my nurse probably won't disturb her because she likes to have sound and in high volume, she doesn't mind. But also if it is somebody else's sound, like I thought she likes sound, but if it's sudden, like like if you have to blend something and use the blender, she's going to run off because she doesn't like that sound. So it also so there's that. So she likes music, she likes rhymes, but she doesn't like sudden noises. So basically, um, then what else? It's sensory. Oh yes, skin. There are some clothes that she can't. She does. she I mean, she can't wear, or she wouldn't wear Maybe I should say wouldn't wear. And that one is quite understandable because we share that in common. I also have clothes that I mean fabrics clothes made from certain fabrics that I cannot wear because it feels like pins and needles all over the body. So I can't wear some clothes. And so I don't me No matter how lovely the clothes are. And one thing I have learned to do is that um, whenever I buy anything new for her, before we take out the tags, she has to wear it first. Do you? Does she like how it feels? So I can see how she reacts to it. So I know if I'm going to take it back to the store, or not and sometimes if you find something she really likes this we do a lot with pajamas then I probably am buying them in doubles you know so that because she always wants to wear mm-hmm. it again and again there was a time that I had to buy exact same thing you know clothes because she probably liked that pattern and that fabric and if it is not that pattern and fabric she doesn't want to wear <laughs> any other thing to go to sleep so that was then but now she's older she's She's, she's, um, she embraces a lot more diversity when it comes to prints and patterns, but with the fabric, there still is no compromise. And that is totally understandable because I know exactly how she feels if she doesn't want to wear certain fabric. And so,
1: thank you. Yeah. And I think the point that you're making too, is this need to honor that and allow yourself or your daughter to not be subjected to something that's uncomfortable. And even the author was saying it, like it takes all of his attention versus, you know, well, let's keep trying, you'll get used to it. I Mm -hmm. think the fact that you're honoring her and you know, what she needs or the music she needs. Um, and then the, the food issue with, um, I have found with so many autistic kids that I've worked with that they do need that in order to eat. They need a distraction. They need to be watching something or playing with toys. And a lot of times parents will say, well, just focus on your food. But it it doesn't work for a lot of those kids. And to be that flexible and just honoring her, what she needs, I think think you're doing awesome with her. (laughs)
2: Wait, needing to watch something while eating food. I thought that was just something I. I thought that was actually like, wow, okay. I didn't know that that was. I didn't know that was a thing because I always like, every time I come in from eating from. Every time I come in from like practice and I let's say I bought food right, I would usually turn on the TV and then and then set up and then set up the food right there and just eat. Like I didn't know that that was. I didn't know that was a thing that autistic, that autistic kids did. I didn't, because I didn't think of it. I didn't think anything of it until just now.
1: Yeah, okay. well, you know, it's also very common, I think, for people to do that as kind of a habit. But I think how was saying too, if there's too much focus on the food, her daughter's not eating. So I think it's mm. at a different level okay does that that resonates with both of you yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well good it's cool to have that insight isn't it to start putting together the pieces and how you are the way you are and yeah yeah bella do you want to chime in or read some comments
0: yeah there are lots of um parents who are talking about their children's sensory issues but yeah if you um, are watching us and um, you know you found something that really helped your child or helped yourself please feel free you know to share with us we are always learning and uh, you know of course as a parent of an autistic child or as an autistic adult um, they'll always be looking for you know, a tip that might make a specific situation easier. So Claire says that um, I'm like that with sound and music. A lot of the time I need to listen to music or a podcast or something. Yeah. You know, when you are actually, I'm talking now, you know, from my like music teacher point of view, um, music listening to something like a podcast, which comes, um, you know, like a nice, chat positive vibes as well in the chat and um, uh, or to music it just helps with other noise cancellations that are you know in the house like the noise of the fridge or you know of your computer or a printer or lots of other noises that usually happen you know in the house or you know something the road works or anything the neighbor doing something that <laughs> there are lots of noises in the house and listening to something that is coming like a music or a podcast it's really helpful from what I understood from like lots of autistic people that um, last year I spent like most of the um, year doing interviews at least once a week with um, autistic um, adults or parents of autistic children and they all share this about you know music especially so yeah definitely it helps and keep using it you know for for various reasons um within this overloading um situations of course if it works and um, sudden noise and um, lean is sharing with us emotions learning content um my son's biggest sensory overload is sudden noise so things like the sound uh, has to be off when the tv is turned on so the sound comes gradual which makes sense and um video sharing with us arian has lots of sensory issues um you you uh, yeah i would love to hear more about that video because uh, I remember you talking about that, and I think I did a podcast on that as well um yeah, and that's it, kind of for the comments. I rely on my noise cancelling headphones um it benefits for me uh ah, two benefits for me are the sound control and the security I feel from having the pressure on the headphones over my ears yes that's something that really um I've noticed that really helps um autistic children like in a busy environment so if I want to use that chat when you are meeting those busy people when you said you are going in busy crowd place crowded place and so on um, yeah definitely they help Oh, thank you, Mandy. I was just looking. Um, Yeah, so that's it for me.
2: Funny thing, I was in I was was in a party like a couple weeks ago, and I actually realized how how nervous, shy, introverted I was. Like, I feel like when when I start dancing, everything, all the nervousness kind of goes away. But then I want to be to myself after. But then I want to be to myself afterwards like literally after that like after the initial attention thing is gone then I'm I'm like okay cool I just want to stay to myself for a little while now and then when my friends arrive then it's then then I'll be able to have a lot more fun because I don't like going I don't like going to parties by myself it's just not a thing I do yeah I hear that um (laughs) does anybody I mean I noticed um I heard something about patterns being mentioned um Fun thing, fun fact about me is I have an obsession with trains. I've always had this obsession with trains since I was a child. I've, I'm I grew up in New York City. Well, I technically still here. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. So I would always look at the subway map and fixate myself on all the lines that were all the lines and how and how far they would go. And then there were times where I did take adventures through the subway system when I was younger. But um, now when i look at it like sometimes i'll look at the subway history i'll look at how how the train stations would look in the in different time periods like the 1990s Well, i already know about the 1990s but the 1980s 1970s looking at graffiti on the trains looking at um all the art pieces they used to do on that um looking at how the trains looking at how the trains were built looking at how the subway st- stations were built and just looking up the overall history of, of it all the time knowing about the latest train models that they're building and stuff like that. I went to the subway, the transit museum. The transit museum was like a, um, it used to be a subway station back in like the 1930s, um, 40s and 50s. But then they closed it down and then they brought it back as the museum in 1975. It's in Brooklyn, New York.
1: Wow. It's, yeah,
2: I, I know a lot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. And that's been
1: consistent. I'm- that's been consistent throughout your life huh that you've loved
2: yeah. that yeah i would always look yeah, at mandy, like the train tracks and stuff like i would look lines. i would stare at the train tracks like yeah the lines all the lines mm-hmm. how they would how they would intersect all the switches and all that
1: yeah mandy says that you and her little boy would get along well he loves trains too <laughs> Oh, and my daughter, <laughs> your daughter too. <laughs> but it's funny with
0: her though. because she doesn't like the toy ones; she only likes the real ones. So I have to go to the train station every day to watch the trains. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Does she? <on laughs> my daughter's boss is actually not trains. Interestingly, uh, those, those, what did you um... say? Play? Now, I was saying that my daughter, for her, it is buses that she's into. She loves buses. Oh, buses. She liked them from when she was a child. So, I mean, it was so easy to know what to get for her as a gift. Like, even at her daycare, when it was her birthdays, she was getting buses <laughs> as gifts because it was so easy That's what she was into, and, you know, she would line them up and, oh, she didn't like dolls, no teddies, no dolls. It was just the buses. And yes, she likes the real life buses too. So sometimes even when we have to go out and we have to drive and she told me, no, she doesn't want us to go in the car. We have to go on the bus because she wants the bus experience and not the car. So sometimes um, we have that, you know, fight sometimes like, oh no, we have to go in the car. But then she said, no, I want to go on the bus. And, and
1: sometimes those are the issues. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've seen some comments come in. Bella, do you want to read those for us?
0: Yeah, Vidya says children with autism love trains. Ariel loved Thomas the train. When he was younger, he used to look at his face. (laughs) And Sarah says I'm drawn to patterns too: bricks, windows, tiles and pavements. That's one reason I look down when I'm walking. I can't walk and touch the patterns I see. Yes, I'm with you on that, Sarah. <laughs> 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 I have someone who likes both, and that's his favorite pastime.
1: Yes, what mm-hmm. is the spectrum, mom? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, and that's, you know, I think when people refer to that term superpower, um, I I read that the developer of Pokemon is autistic and his um, special interest as a child was insects and all the different insects. And then it seems like he took that into making all these different Pokemon characters. So um, it's just interesting that that can turn into something you know, this life long.
2: You, you really shouldn't have mentioned Pokemon, because I'm an original <laughs> one. I'm an original 150 guy myself. I grew <laughs> up watching, po- watching Pokemon. I had the cards. I used to play the games. Even to this day, i was still. If I ever got access to the game, I still would play it. I had Pokemon Go on my phone. Like I anything Pokemon, like I'm I'm there. I actually have a. I actually have a picture of Pikachu that somebody drew for me in fourth grade, but it's kind of ripped now. Uh, um, I, I I love Pokemon. That's I didn't even know that the creator, the creator of Pocket Monsters that of Pocket Monsters was was autistic. So to see that he named so many insects as as the um as, as some of the characters, grass uh, separating them by grass type, water type, dark type, um. Fire type, um, electric, li- like yeah. like, <laughs> and um poison, poison even. What that makes total sense. That just brings everything full circle now. Um, um, as far as the patterns, looking down on the looking down on the sidewalk, seeing how many seeing how many patterns are formed. Yo, that you see this. This is why I guess this this. Is, I guess joining the support group is the best decision I've made because now it's actually helped me to make sense of my own life. Mm-hmm. Now I have now like i been I look down on the street all, all the time when I walk. Mainly, mm-hmm. I thought it was just to avoid um, just to avoid stepping in, in, in dog mess. But it's also but it was also to I don't know, I just I look ahead and I look down and look ahead and look down. It's always an up and down thing. Because I'm trying to kill, concentrate on the patterns. I'm trying to concentrate on who's coming, who's walking in front of me and who's coming up behind me or or whatever. Like, it's a thing. In New York City, you have to be, like, aware at all times because crazy stuff happens. But Yeah, that's an extra but, layer that you've got. <laughs> yeah, but looking down at the sidewalk all the time, seeing the different different lines and seeing some of the cracks and all of that yeah, that makes, that just helped me make total sense of things just now. Wow.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Um, Does it feel, um, because I know a lot of times special interests just bring a lot of joy. Is it ever a negative or feel stressful or is it always a positive feeling when you're, you know, looking at patterns or, you know, into Pokemon, that kind of stuff or trains?
2: It's, it's kind of a freeing thing. It's a freeing thing, but it's something that I keep, but certain interests I keep intimate to myself because I don't think anybody would really understand why I'm into this stuff or, mm-hmm. or how, but I know that the special interest that I've taken in these things has, uh, has led me to be able to help in, in different areas. Like the special interest that I have in trains that's actually helped me to foster my ability to read maps. Mm. To read maps to be able to tell exactly where I am or which direction to go in. Like if I'm using a a GPS or whatever. Um, Pokemon, because I know about the original 150 characters that they made, and then the others that they made over the years, um, just as soon as I got my first copy of Pokemon Diamond when I was in high school playing Nintendo DS, my Nintendo DS Lite, rest in peace. That was my, that was my, that was one of my favorite handhelds. Um, it, it actually, I got reacclimated with the game. It was a much needed reunion because I made a foolish decision and traded my Red and Blue for it. I gave, I let somebody borrow my Red, my Pokemon Red and Blue, and he never gave it back. Oh. Wherever he is at, I hope he's doing well. But. <laughs> I want my red and blue, man. I don't think I'll be able to play red and blue until I get one of these new systems and and play the remake version of it. But, oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. I hope you can. Pokemon well, Game Lushy... Ball
2: my favorite. One of my favorite games, though.
1: <laughs> yes. Does the um does your daughter's um special interest does it ever become a problem or is it just a purely positive thing?
3: Um, no, I, I don't, I really don't think so. I actually think it is positive because, um, because one thing that I know that it has also helped us to do is, you know, it helps us to actually like, those are also, there are times when she's probably having, I wouldn't say difficulty, but that it's, it's, um, difficult to get her to transition from one task to the other. So, I mean, those are the times it really comes in handy because it's so easy to be able to get her to go off, for instance, maybe her tablet or something else to transition into those special other interests that she has. So she's not just hyper focused on one thing, you know, throughout the day. So I would say that it is positive, actually, depending on, I mean, she's still a child. So depending on how you use it, but I haven't seen it as Anything negative, really.
1: Thank you. I just, um, you know, a lot of kids in school, they're, you know, school is set up for this neurotypical brain where you're supposed to learn a little bit about a lot of things. And I think for autistic kids, sometimes that's kind of counter to how they learn and that using their interests, um, you know, is a, can, reduce a lot of frustration with education. And um, like you said, use it in a positive way. And um, I don't know, Bella, do you want to read? Yes, it?
3: that's true. Because it, it, it just, what you just said now reminds me of when she was still, um, you know, she still had few words. And, um, you know, I mean, because she had the interest in buses, it was true that, that she lent colors, for instance, and other things that she needed to learn, it was simply putting the buses, using buses as, you know, a tool to be able to mm-hmm. use it to teach her whatever it is that you were trying to teach her at that time. And because buses were involved, she was willing to listen and learn. So I think it was one thing that we really, I mean, I'm saying we now because it was first how um, our um, developmental counselors' um, idea, where she would use the bus, uh, actually the wheels on the bus. Is still, I think it is still her favorite nursery rhyme. So, you know, using the wheels on the bus to teach her so many other things other than the original lyrics of wheels on the bus. So, I think, yes, that's another um, place where it really comes in handy when you know your child's interest and find ways to use it to support their development.
1: That's wonderful. Bella, how about you? Do you want to? I know you have stuff to say about that and read some comments. <laughs>
0: no <laughs> so, this is just autism family story yeah it's, just, it's focusing on special interests of children with autism can help to teach them so many skills so it's exactly what you said mm-hmm. um, and it's so important to encourage their special um interests and then you've got hi Mackenzie. <laughs> um chad you have a a, a pokemon fan here <laughs> Claire says, that's so cool about the creator of Pokemon and link in insects. I love to draw and paint pictures of Pokemon. Wow, might be something I need to get into then. (laughs) Um, Yes, Jen, this is true, says actually autism. And this was the issue with me at school. It was so difficult if I wasn't interested in the subject. I found it so hard to learn. My dad was able to use my focused interest to help teach me. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm doing the same thing, probably what your dad did with you, um, actually, autism, Sarah, Sarah. Because I'm making up spelling songs for different to spell different words. You know. <laughs> Making up timetables, <laughs> timetables, songs, and anything you can think I of to help um, my seven and eight year olds that I'm seeing. And uh, they are not interested, you know, because, um, you know, not all autistic children, like the stereotype is, are good at maths or um, I am seeing children that are autistic and not good at maths. So we made up a timetable song. They learned it <laughs> and they could do it. And the beauty is that they start singing it in the class. And apparently the whole class learned it. <laughs> so it's helpful now <laughs> to all the class. Um, but yeah, it's tricky. It is tricky. And um, I just well, want to you, go,
1: also, you also shared with me that you make videos, music videos for kids based on their interests, right?
0: Yeah. So some... Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so what happens is that um, uh, I uh, I pff, I do um, lots of sessions um, online. You know, like Zoom meetings. But sometimes they don't work. A parent can't quite predict what will be you know the the state of mind of the child every friday at 5 p.m. you know whatever happened at school what happened 5 minutes before my session and then uh, we just conducted the session you know if they are not ready for it and they are not in the right frame of mind for it. It's different when they come to my studio and if they had a meltdown in the car and so on, there are still things that I can do if they come to my studio or I go to their car whilst it's parked by my house, by my studio. But on Zoom, it doesn't work. So, um, lots of my sessions um, are done with recorded videos that i uh, send them through a secure link and i talk to them in there and because i'm using so i'm making a like 20 minutes video um you know focused on whatever the child needs help with if it's you know anxiety worry or boost speech and language or uh, you know turn taking or things like that and i'm using in that video absolutely everything they like their favorite color their favorite stims their favorite i don't know anything of course all of the special interests so um yeah and, and you know the parents are a bit suspicious in the beginning how is this gonna work and then i'm just asking them if somebody made the movie for you or a video with everything you love in that video would you like to watch it? And they say, yes. Yeah. So would you watch it more than one time? Yeah. So the the beauty with my videos is that uh, they get watched like three, four, five or 20 times, some of them, you know, uh, in one week, I'm talking about, because then the next week, it's another video, of course, um, they go like in block of six, at least, or 12, and so on. Um, yeah I'm I'm using all of this and it is like a whole sensory experience because you know I'm asking them come with this come with the other one we have you know spoons from the kitchen and lots of made up musical instruments that we are using um, and it's a whole sensory experience and you know contrary to you know the belief that autistic children or people hate loud noise I've never had any complaints of big banging of the pan with the spoon because they like that for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, I know what's the reason. It's secret. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also find, oh, hi Taffy, I also find when my son has sensory overload, my usual tone of voice, my usual tone of voice agitates him. So I sing the request softly first, then add a beat, and he seems more compliant, of course. Um, I think we were talking about that in the live when you came, uh, Taffy, that when we try to talk, we we don't quite use... Um, a perfect, steady beat to help the brain organize itself it it comes in like that because that 's how we talk we don 't talk tum, 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 do it um, and yeah, singing helps with that definitely. you can sing um, you know in overload or before the overload or to prevent a meltdown or to recover from a meltdown because music has that perfect beat that helps the neurons organize perfectly instead of getting them disorganized like our speech might do. Um, hi, Zach. <laughs> nice that to see you. I do think
1: of, of you, Chad, what how music helps you so much. That's interesting what Bella was saying about the beat that helps your brain probably. Huh?
2: Sometimes I fixate myself with certain beat patterns, like yeah. for instance, a like, for instance, um, Apache by Incredible Bongo Band or, like, or the main the, the last break that happens in Give It Up or Turn It Loose by James Brown. Like, I'll fixate myself with those, with songs that contain samples of those patterns right there. Like, that. Interesting. And that's, a, and it kind of helps because, um, it helps because I can actually, I can, so I can actually match my steps to the beat Beat and do or what I should say, beat killing. Yeah, we. I love it. Anytime I can do that, anytime I can kill the beat, it, it helps a lot. It it gives me a sense of joy. Like then, then there's certain moves that I would do. Like what I like to call the R and B slide. I don't know if you ever guys, if you guys ever watched like R and B soul um groups from like the 1970s or 1960s or 1970s or 1980s. Any, well, mainly the 1970s, they do these routines and, and, and they do like a slide with it, like they spin around and then slide afterwards. Mm-hmm. I actually did that in a battle. And after I did that particular thing, whatever it was that I did afterwards, I did not care because that because I accomplished the one thing that I wanted to do. And that was it. <laughs> but yeah, killing certain beats is like it's like one of my favorite things to do when, I, when it comes to dancing.
1: That's awesome! Thank you so much. Um, I think we're probably running kind of close to the end. Um, yeah. Do anybody? Do you guys want to make a final comment or wrap up with anything? Or it's just been such a joy to have both of you here. I love it. <laughs> um, um, okay.
0: Compliment, Chad, from Taffy. We love watching Chad dance. It's so mesmerizing. <laughs> oh.
2: Thank you, <laughs> thank you.
0: I did watch some short videos of you today as well, and yes, it was lovely <laughs> to see you. Oh, very good dancer.
2: <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so uh, much. I I started the journey mainly as a um. I started the journey. Part of it was losing some of the weight that I had gained over the course of the pandemic. Another part of it was, but the biggest part of it was getting back to work, like really getting back to doing what I love, which is the dance, you know. And I felt like during the time when I took a break from dancing, I felt like I was ignoring a major piece of my identity that made me me. So, you know, I jumped back into it little by little. There was, it was very, I would say that it was very hard to get back in. It was easy to execute certain steps, but trying, but there's a thing about moving, not doing like getting rusty, not moving around how you usually move around, not Mm -hmm. being able to hit my favorite beats, not being able to hit certain beats that I've listened to over the, over the course of 10 years or, or rather 15 years. Um, it it kind of it really bothered me, I would say, and and then I just I I just but I kept on going. I didn't want to give up on myself. I kept on going. I declared war on myself for like a whole year. I won.
1: <laughs> you, you're um, persistent. Yes.
2: So What I would say would mean what what I would say just to keep it short is um, if life as a as a autistic adult is not. This bad, bad thing that that people who don't know about the the autism spectrum make it out to be, you know, it's not this huge, it's not a nightmare, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a oh my child's autistic oh that's it I can't do anything no it's not that it's definitely not that at all you know if you have an if you're an autistic child or you have or you're an autistic adult if you are an adult that has a child with autism don't give I would say don't give up on them. You know, try to nur- nurture them, to, uh, nurture them as you would with any other, as you would with any one of your uh, other kids. You know, but make sure that you honor their special interests because their special interests can take them a long way. And support them as much as possible. Support them as much as possible. You know.
1: I love that, Chad. That's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much. You're, You're so welcome. right about it, and I think. to me it's like understanding like you got some insight today and understanding that and connecting those and this is how my brain works and this is what I need and this is what helps me I think is, is really important too and that's part of the reason why we're doing these and having amazing people like you to share with us so thank you so much Oh, and, um, Felicia Day, I did remember something I did want to comment on, because that reminded me of the perfectionism you were talking about with your daughter, with the painting, and that you worked with her and talked to her about it's okay to make mistakes. And that's something I think that's really important, is to say things out loud that we might think are obvious, like, of course, it's okay to make mistakes but that you really taught her that and helped her get that understanding and practiced it so that she became she's becoming more accepting of that. So that was really a beautiful, something you shared that I wanted to emphasize. Yeah, so, thank um, you. is there anything yeah, you I wanna think. say to wrap up,
3: Lashine? Um I just say first, thank you for having me, for inviting me to this IG session. It's been an interesting conversation And, you know, it's also, I mean, it's a reminder again that you're actually not alone, like no experience is isolated to anybody because, you know, when you share that somebody else says, oh, my child is like that, or I am like that, it just reminds you that you're actually not isolated in this whole experience of either supporting the child or being autistic yourself. And, you know, just to reiterate what Chad has said, as a parent, I'll just say that we should just you know, support our children in the best way that we can, like I have mentioned earlier that I really don't see anything that my daughter does as abnormal or, you know, because really what is normal in the actual sense right. of it? We are all different. So who is normal? Okay. I'm not normal. So really, that's right. So I think it's just, I think for me, one of the things I like to say is that if I can support her enough to feel accepted in the home, to be her natural self in the home, then hopefully it can transcend to anywhere else that she finds herself. For me, that's that's the goal. If I mean, if you want to stay, if you're comfortable doing it at home, then you can do it in school, you can do it anywhere to be able to, you know, self-regulate. So as long as she feels accepted, you know, and supported in the house. That's the aim for me. And it's okay not to want to wear certain clothes. It's okay not to wear certain shoes. You know, it's it's just okay to choose to be different. And everybody just has to adjust eventually. So um, that's it for me. And again, thank you so much for having me.
1: Uh, Felicia, you're bringing tears to my eyes. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, Bella, do you want to read a few comments and wrap it up for us? Yes,
0: um, Taffy, thank you for being
1: here.
0: Uh, Taffy says thank you very uh, for thank you all for the amazing live. There were there are so many aha moments. Palashade is so relatable as a parent. Belen, genuine rock,
2: yay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love is life. Thank you, everyone. Actually, autism. Emotions learning content. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone. Mandy, yes, it's okay to be different. Yes. Yes. Thank you for another useful session. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. And the video. Thank you very
3: much. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everybody.
1: Thank you for all your support in the audience. Too. We appreciate it. Um.
2: Oh, yes, Chuck. Definitely, sure. get, definitely get a fidget spinner. Definitely get one of those. It's one of the best inventions ever made in recent days, recent memories. Get, get, get a, a what? Fidget a fidget spinner. Oh,
1: a fidget spinner. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> definitely get one of those. Yay, I'm, I'm agonizing right. right now because I can't find mine, but yeah, definitely get one of those. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for you meet you. Bye, back you week, bye
2: bye bye